Hello everyone and welcome back to the Thames Valley Court and Crime Podcast. We're back for our second episode following the release of our debut last month for all things crime and court in Berkshire, Oxfordshire and Buckinghamshire. Once again we'll be taking you to a major crime story from the Thames Valley before discussing a few lighter stories we've worked on recently. And to round things off we'll tell you what we've got coming up in the courts in the coming weeks. So let's get into it. As a reminder I'm Ollie Cyril, I cover court and crime in Berkshire for News Quest Berkshire titles including the Reading Chronicle, Bratton News and the Slough Observer. And I'm George Roberts. I cover the courts in Buckinghamshire for the Buxbury Press. And this week we're joined by Tom Sear from the Oxford Mail, who'll be on our future podcast too. So Tom, tell us about yourself. Hello, I'm Tom Seward. I cover Crown um, and the Magistrates Court for the Oxford Mail, um, which I've been doing sort of since midsummer. Um, and before that, I was at the Swindon Advertiser for four years, doing pretty much the same thing, covering everything from um, live and breaking news through to the courts. Great to have you on, Tom. Today you'll be taking us for our main topic, which revolves around the spate of stabbings in Oxfordshire recently. Yeah, it's been a big story recently, um, and it seems to have come up from nowhere. We've been talking to a few senior police figures um, who've been talking a, a little bit about what, what they plan to do to, to clamp down on the violence. After we hear from Tom, we'll be talking about a naked cyclist who's been flashing women around bucks, and a man who was put in jail for calling 999 when there was no emergency. So, in this first section, we'll be talking about a string of stabbings that have occurred in Oxford over the past month. Tom, could you give us a bit of an overview of what's been going on? Yeah, so it seems to have come up slightly from nowhere, really. So, it's it's across the county, and it's not just Oxford. Um, So, the first big bit of violence was on October 4th, when four teenagers were arrested um, after a man who was in his 20s was stabbed in the back and the chest at... Abingdon Fair, which is a sort of local event, um, and then just four days after that, uh, just going into the weekend on Friday, October 8th, um, Lee Butler, who's 39 years old, um, was fatally stabbed in an area of Oxford called Barton. There's a man called Lewis Brown, who's 20 years old, who's been charged with murder, which affects how much we can sort of really, really say about it, but I live just up the road, and it's certainly quite shocking in, in the community. Um, and then just a few days later, uh, there was a 19-year-old man who um, was knifed in the back and the chest. Um, in the early hours in Bicester, which is just, just north of Oxford, plenty of people may have gone for the shopping, um, I'm sure, so people will know the town. Um, and then a week, week or so later, Sunday, October 17th, uh, a computer programmer um, from St. Petersburg in Russia who'd moved to work at the university, a man called uh, Leonid Labashin was um, was stabbed to death. Again, the man's been um, arrested and charged in connection with that. He's, he's been charged with murder. And finally, 20th of October, a man in his 30s was stabbed multiple times um, in, a, in an area of Oxford called Blackbird Lees. Um, and again, teenager, 18 years old, man, arrested on suspicion, wounding with intent, although he's later been released under investigation. So that kind of gives you an overview. And so that's five stabbings in the past month then. Um, have any charges been made in relation to any of them? Yeah, as I say, the, 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 two, the two murders, or alleged murders I should say, um, people have been arrested and, and charged and um, They've appeared before the courts and they're awaiting trial. So, um, so the two two people are Lewis Brown, twenty, um, who's been charged in connection with the Barton alleged murder, 
And um, the one last week, uh, a man called Eugene Coman, 33, who was um, the housemate of um, Mr. Labishin, is accused of murder. He's also accused of having two knives in the back of a BMW that was um, later found in Whitney, which is just west of Oxford. Tom, obviously these have all come pretty close to each other. Are there any suggestions that they're sort of connected in any way? No, absolutely not. And um, that's that's kind of a key point for the police, really, that they're saying they're all isolated incidents. And I don't know what, what you guys think, but for for me and perhaps other people that I speak to, it's potentially more worrying, really, that you've got these pockets of, of violence that are, are, are totally unconnected. Obviously, it's reassuring that there isn't somebody who's wandering around the streets of Oxford randomly attacking people, but there seems just to be a, a slight explosion of, of violence at the, at the moment. Yeah, it certainly does seem worrying, um, especially that all these uh, sabins have occurred so close to each other. And uh, I remember at the start of this year and, and, and the end of last year, there was a, a, a series of stabbings in Reading, uh, perhaps not as as um, close together as, as they have been in Oxford, but um, there was a hu- huge cause for uh, more to be done to tackle knife crime in the town as a result of that. And I think one, one resident um, you know, got so sick of it that he... He started his own knife amnesty campaign in Reading, um, and he he was quite successful then, and got a large number of people to 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 get rid of their knives, and then he you know uh, got rid of those safely, and then you know, worked with the police to get those off the streets. Um, so how has how has the community reacted in Oxford? Has there any, been anything similar to that? And you know how are people feeling? Yeah, not not so proactive um, really, and I think because the the stabbings aren't being linked, they're not connected. It, it's it's not quite so. Um, immediate, there isn't quite such a call for calm around. For example, youth violence, which might have been the been the issue in in Reading. I don't know, but people are certainly certainly worried. And you know, I'm knocking doors in the wake of the um, the Blackbird Lees stabbing, which was the most recent one. And um, there was a a, a mum I spoke to, and she's getting her kids ready ready for school, and and she'd had enough. Quite frankly, you know, phrases like "don't want to bring your kids up in in an area like this," and she, and she looked. She looked at the end of her tether, if, if I'm honest, you know, and she, and she said something along the lines of, um, it's, it's kind of, it's an everyday occurrence here. And that's, and that's not right. And I, and I think it's, it's probably only a matter of time before, um, before people do start calling for knife amnesties, things like that. And um, you mentioned earlier that you, you live only down the road from, from where one of these incidents occurred. You know, how does it feel? You know, obviously, obviously crime reporter for the Oxford Mail and then you've got that you know, a few hundred yards away from where you live, how does it feel to be kind of reporting on such a, a major, major thing? Not, not particularly, really. I mean, I think it's like anywhere. Dif- different areas have their have their different issues. So, um, uh, and and none of these murders or alleged murders are, are being linked and together. They're all being linked to to separate issues. And uh, the, the one down the road from me is is very much. Um, being treated, I, I think, as, as being connected to potentially being connected or allegedly being connected to, to drugs, crime, and, and, and violence um, of, of that nature. And I think if you're if you're a member of, of, of a particular circle, if, if you move in those sorts of circles, I, I think you know it probably feels significantly more dangerous than me as just walking to the shops to get a pint of milk. Mm. Uh, you know, I think the three of us working in in court and crime stuff. I think we're probably uh, a little bit desensitised to these kind of matters, but it does really still hit home when um, you know, when, when it's so close. Even even though we we sort of work in it 
every day. Um, Tom, I'm sure you've spoken to, to the police. Sort of what, what have they said to you? Is there anything they're, they're going to be doing in, in response to this? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's the, the standard calls for calm, really. Um, extra patrols where, where that's relevant. So, for example, where, where stabbings are being linked to drugs or, or, or local gang violence, they're, they're trying to step up patrols. But um, I think there, there probably are limited things that you can do um, when it's linked to potentially being linked to things like men- mental health um, issues or, 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 or domestic violence. Funnily enough, I was having a sit-down chat with, with the local superintendent, a man called Bruce Riddell, um, just just a couple of days after the, um, the Barton fatal stabbing, which is the one that, that's just around the corner from me. Um, and he was talking about community events that they, they were running, and, and, and this, is, um, this is him. Uh, I think the biggest message I'd like to give Tom is we're working extremely hard with partners to, to try and reduce crime. That, that's one of the main things we're, we're trying to do. Yeah. Uh, but if we do have people who commit crime, it's looking at all available opportunities to, to arrest them and bring them to justice. So we really rely on kind of community support, community intelligence, uh, to, to help us identify who kind of offenders, who suspects are. Uh, but in relation to what happened at the weekend, we're, we're having additional patrols up there uh, for the next uh, week to two weeks. We've also got a community meeting which is being uh, run by the City Council on Friday, so there'll be a sort of uh, an increased police presence in the area for the next couple of weeks. So there was a, there was a community event a, a few days afterwards that a, a colleague of mine, um, Rebecca, attended, and people, people were nervous. Um, I think one of the things that Thames Valley Police pointed us to is the work of their violence reduction unit um, and the work that they're doing around sort of tackling violence and, and knife crime going into schools, um, doing that, that sort of thing. But, you know, in terms of what will happen in the future, knife amnesties, that sort of thing, I, th- I think it's a case of watch this space. Yeah, and uh, are you in court soon for, for hearings related to any of the uh, people linked with these with these stabbings? Yeah, absolutely. So the, the trials are provisionally listed for next spring um, and then there'll be plea hearings at the very end of this year and in early January as well. So now we move on to the next part of the podcast where we talk about some of the interesting headlines you may have missed from the past fortnight. In Slough, uh, a couple, a husband and wife, have been fined have been told to pay more than £15,000 in fines and court fees after they were caught um, letting out a shed uh, with a bed in it. Uh, Slough Borough Council prosecuted and, and dubbed it a, a bed in a shed in a press release. They were charging uh, £640 a month uh, for someone to live in here. Um, it, it came equipped with all, all the white goods and all the facilities you need, but was uh, clearly a very cramped and... and uh, small space that uh, wasn't wasn't suitable for living in. So, Ollie, what what sort of punishment did this uh, this couple receive? So, Paul Vig, who's who's fifty eight, and Maria Vig, who's forty, were told to pay more than fifteen thousand pounds altogether. Uh, Paul Vig was fined five thousand uh, pounds. He's told to pay this in the next six months, or he'll spend three months in prison. Uh, he's also told to pay costs of eight thousand one hundred sixty one pounds. His wife Maria Vig was given a six month conditional discharge but was also ordered to pay £4,000 in costs. Uh, we've had a lot of reaction to this story on our Facebook, it was our most read story last week. Um, 
people were saying that this sort of thing happens far too often and it's it's good that the council clamped down on, on this particular um, bed in the shed. Um, but clearly there's a sense that uh, more needs to be done across the community. So, so what, what was the charge, really? So uh, Paul Vig and Maria Vig were, were convicted of breaching an enforcement notice. Um, it, it's, it's something I've seen uh, for another slough um, convict recently as well. Um, a man, uh, and I think his name was Terence Hunt, uh, he also breached an enforcement notice and was taken to court by Slough Borough Council and told to pay huge costs. Um, so clearly if you, if you do breach an enforcement notice and ignore it after it's been served, then uh, you're liable to end up in court and, and pay a lot of money. They would have been warned then, wouldn't they? They would have yeah, exactly. They would have been warned. They would have had a chance to, uh, of, of um, you know, uh, either make make the accommodation suitable or or get appropriate planning permission or something like that. But clearly, it's something they uh, just put to the back of their minds and, and uh, ignored, and uh, they they've paid dearly for it. It's the one rule, isn't it, of, of courts and, and appearing before the court? Don't ignore the warning shot across your bows. It can be costly, can't it? I mean, it, it, it's shocking actually that these these things happen, and they do happen often. The people that live in these these sheds are normally people that aren't in this country legally, or you know, they're they're very disadvantaged. Quite often, they don't speak any English, and they're basically just sort of forced to to live in these really really horrific um, environments and pay well, ridiculous amounts of money, like six hundred and ninety pounds a month to, yeah. to live in Slough. Like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, we lost that really. But. <laughs> um, and then my second story, um, this was uh, one that was in the courts recently. Uh, a woman from Tarhurst Reading named Amanda Basden. Uh, she um, was convicted of four counts of fraud um, for asking four strangers in Calcutt uh, for money to get a taxi to visit her sick child in hospital. So, So what happened to her? So uh, after a court hearing um, early this month, Monday, October the 15th, she was jailed for 30 weeks. Uh, the reason for this being that she um, she was serving a community order uh, when she committed these offences. Um, she's actually notorious in the Reading area for um, being a bit of a career criminal for, for petty crimes, um, stuff like frauds, um, I think. Uh, Someone who, who who I work with, who who lives in the same kind of area, said that she was actually approached by her once before, asking her um, for money because she was pregnant. Uh, so she needed to get to the hospital. So clearly, she's got form for for this sort of thing, um, and and you know she's she's found herself behind bars now. Yeah, thirty weeks in prison. That sounds harsh, but if this is someone who's been doing this for a, for a long time, then maybe it's um, maybe this will this will teach her a lesson. Um, one of the sort of more unusual stories I've been um, sort of working on this week is uh, the story of a a man, 49-year-old man, who's been arrested after he was cycling around Buckinghamshire while naked, uh, flashing women um, around around the place. Um, he's just been arrested, so by the time this um, this podcast comes out, he he could well have been um, charged. But you know, at, at the time of recording this podcast, this is kind of the the most up-to-date information. That we've got. Um, he, he was riding around near Milton Keynes uh, between sort of Oak Hill uh, and Warden, and yeah, essentially this was sort of in, in late August. Essentially, just showing himself off to uh, to several women that he that he sort of met along the way. So, how did it work, George? 
Was he cycling naked? It's a good. It's a good question. I mean, I don't know if you guys have ever seen. There's like a charity ride that goes through, must go through London, where all these nude cyclists go uh, along. I mean, having done a bit, a bit of cycling in the past, it's it's not especially comfortable for um, for gentlemen when you don't have the the right shorts, you know, padding on your shorts. To, so the thought of doing it with, with nothing on at all is uh, makes me wince a little bit. And another um, slightly slightly different story um, over the last few days is, is a guy from High Wycombe who um, has previously been dubbed a burden to the community by a police officer, has been chucked in jail after he made 999 calls when there wasn't an emergency. Um, a fellow called Daniel Wicks, he's 55 years old, and yeah, he's going to be in prison for, for about four months. So this guy, is he, has he been in trouble before? Yeah, well, he's... He's got previous for this exact um, exact offence, actually. So the, the, the charge itself is, is breaching um, a criminal behaviour order. This this guy in the, is actually banned from High Wycombe Town Centre. He's banned from drinking. He, he's in the town centre. He's banned from being in any pub in, in the town. Um, and he's banned from calling the police when there isn't an emergency. He's done this before. He did it only a couple of months ago, and he got the pretty much the exact same sentence. Um, so... It seems like he's probably just got out of prison and, and, and done the same thing. Y- you do have to wonder, you know, if these people are are okay. Um, but yeah, the, in in the past, a police officer, a guy called Terry Quick, said that he um, was a burden to the community, which which seems harsh. But I guess for the police, it must be so frustrating getting these yeah. calls. And, he's and he's not being tempted to to move away then and stop being a burden. I suppose not. No, maybe no. maybe he's enjoying himself too much. Yeah, clearly. Tom, do you want to go through your bits? So. Um, I spend most of my time at the Crown Court um, and we've had some pretty big cases recently, rapists getting sent down for 16 years plus. Um, there was a, a, a drugs gang that were um, dealt with earlier this week, six men who um, drove from Birmingham down to Oxford um, and then went more pandied into uh, a, a cannabis farm uh, in East Oxford, went through the door so hard that they literally took it off their hinges and there was this astonishing video shot on one of those ring doorbells across the street and um, that showed the the farmer just clutching his midriff wandering around the street yelling apparently in pain um, and the police never found him they they trawled the uh, A&Es um, to see if they could they could find him because he'd clearly been injured um, but but they could never find him this gang um, some of them were left behind um, uh, some of them managed to get away um, and then a, a, a few more were arrested um, just slightly down the road when the, uh, the police pulled over a, a Sayat. Um, the gang in the end got 12 years 12, 12 years plus between them um, but it's sort of slightly surprising you, you, you get quite a lot of um, aggravated burglaries, raids of, of cannabis factories but they don't often come to the courts because people who are growing cannabis don't typically call the police um, when someone burgles their farm. Yeah, so you often hear about police raiding cannabis factories, but that's not the case this time, it's, it's six men from, from Birmingham. Um, has it been established what their, their motive was? And I know it, clearly they wanted to, to get at this factory, but was there anything underlying that uh, they, they wanted to get out of this? Um, I think it's pretty clear on the face of it. During the trial, uh, a few of them expressed different motivations. One of them, who's been a heroin addict for a very long time, said that he allowed his mobility um, 
uh, car to be driven down from Birmingham to wipe off a drugs debt. Another one who was the driver of the Seat said that he um, was tricked down essentially and, and he was told that there would be a party down in Oxford, um, which raises its own questions given that it happened last November and we're in the middle of a lockdown. Clearly just couldn't wait for, uh, for lifting the lockdown. Couldn't wait for the party, ended up with 30 months in prison. There's, um, there's another one just, um, just on coronavirus, and this, this is from the Magistrates Court, which I've been spending quite a lot of time in over the last week and a half, um, because we've had a, a, a few people charged with murder um, in the first place that, that people um, turn up when, when they've been charged is the Magistrates Court. And I happened to, to hear this extraordinary case, um, this bloke who was, who was approached by a PCSO, and this happened in Corn Market Street, um, which is in the centre of um, Oxford, and uh, and there was a group of them, and, and it was during the, the lockdown, the third lockdown, and, and the PCSO wanted to approach them and, and talk to them about the lockdown rules and, and just gently warn them that they, they couldn't be in that, that large group. And rather than say, oh, sorry, officer, I'll, I'll move away, this um, this man, uh, a, a man called um, uh, Patrick Keenan, who's got a, a very, very long record, said, um, I've got... Rona, mates, I've got the Rona, and um, proceeded to cough in the direction of this PCSA. Now, I've been long enough in the tooth to remember that at the start of the last, um, uh, of the pandemic last year, judging Swindon, which is where I was at the time, saying, if anybody coughs or spits at a police officer and claims that they have coronavirus, there, there is no... Um, there's there's no no parole there's, there's no there's no mercy you're going straight to prison do not pass go do not collect your 200 pounds um, and so it was kind of quite gratifying really to see that Mr Keenan was sent to prison because I think if you're effectively weaponizing coronavirus which remains a huge problem you deserve to be punished appropriately and our final section of the podcast we like to look ahead uh, to see what we're going to be working on in the weeks coming up um, Ollie, do you, want to, do you want to take us through first? Uh, at the Court of Appeal, uh, the second week of November is the appeal of three men from Slough who were jailed for a total of 37 years after they brutally attacked a man in a car park on Farnham Road at 2.45am May 14th, 2019. Uh, they were sentenced last year um, and they've launched an appeal. I've been in touch with the Court of Appeal um, asking them what exactly is their appealing, whether it's their sentence or their conviction. Uh, the court appeal hasn't been able to tell me yet, um, but um, this is, is this story's uh, got a lot of interest on our on our Slough Observer website. I think people are quite keen to to, to know uh, the future of these three convicts, um, and I'll be that's something I'll be following uh, when when they when their hearing comes up at the court of appeal on November the 9th. Over in Buckinghamshire, that the big one really is the murder sort of upcoming potential murder trial. Uh, surrounding the death of, of Andrew Ballantyne, he, a, a grandfather who, who was stabbed to death um, a few months ago. There are five men who have been charged with, with his murder. Um, we're not at the trial yet. If, if it goes ahead, it will be uh, next year in February, but we're going to have a pre, pre-trial hearing um, very, very soon. Uh, and, and there's a chance you know, we'll hear if, if the defendants plead guilty or, or not guilty and whatever outcome that is, be sure to check on the Buxbury Press website to, to see what happens. That brings us to the end of our podcast. Thank you very much for, for listening. Um, for now, it's goodbye from me. Goodbye from Tom. Goodbye. Goodbye from George. Goodbye.
and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening.